Welcome to Questions About Heaven, a podcast about giving Bible answers to our questions about the afterlife with God. Each week we seek to answer real-life questions with biblical answers about the life beyond this world. Now, here's your host, Brad Zockel. And a wonderful, wonderful day to you. This is Brad Zocco. You are listening to Questions About Heaven, the podcast where we look into the end times. We talk about the God of heaven, the Jesus, the way to heaven, all of these things when we look at the afterlife and the assurance of the believer. And I really appreciate the fact that you have been uh, listening and you've been sharing with your friends uh, these truths that we've looked at. And this really means a lot. And so thank you so much. My name is Brad Zockel. I'm in the recording studio here in Upcountry, South Carolina, in our barn studio. And it has been a wonderful, wonderful beginning to this traveling season this past weekend. I was up in Maryland and Delaware having an enjoyable time being able to minister. As a matter of fact, I even stopped on the way up and met with a group, uh, Dennis and his family, who are organizing my mid-April gathering in Mount Airy, North Carolina. So I stopped in Mount Airy, which many of my listeners would know that this would be the uh, model city for Mayberry, for the Andy Griffith Show. And so Dennis and his family said, well, you, got, you have to come downtown, take a look around. And it was wonderful. And he got me a, a Mayberry hat, as a matter of fact, and I really have the, a, a great time wearing that around, too. And uh, just had just the most uh, fantastic time moving on through uh, Mount Airy, heading on up to Bridgeville, Delaware, where I was able to speak in a bakery, as you know. Sugar Shack Bakery opened up to the community our Heaven Bible Study, and we had a wonderful time in the afternoon. And in the morning time, I was at Calvary Baptist Church with my dear uh, friend, Pastor Lou Bradley. My brother Brent went with me, and we talked with Pastor Bradley who was the first pastor whenever our family moved into the Maryland area after my dad had abandoned our family and my mom remarried. We lived in the slums, my friend. I mean, we lived in a bad section of town. And we were still in shell shock, but my mom was able to uh, get us to go over to uh, Pastor Bradley's church. And it was just a respite, a haven. And it eventually was one of the first uh, let me say, one of the first foundations to help me find salvation. And I made that decision at the age of 17. We were there with Pastor Bradley and let him know what this meant to us. How He's 92 now, I believe, just, just short of 93. And uh, he was just very emotional and he started crying. And he said, you know, you always wonder as a, as a worker of the Lord whether you've had any impact. And we said, oh, Pastor Bradley, you have no idea how it was just a, a bright spot in the week and of, of a very, very difficult life. And I want to let our friends know before I get going into our study, you may never know the outreach that you have. You may never know of the impact that you have in reaching somebody till eternity, or maybe the Lord will allow you to know a little bit in this life. And so at that very church where I found respite, and joy, I had the honor of being able to speak, and it was just a very special time. And I'm hoping to head back there uh, later on late this year, or maybe the beginning of next year. But that's the first start, uh, the very, very first beginning of the weekend travels as I go around the United States and speak on heaven 
And that was a very, very special time. This weekend, I'm heading on to Texas, and my first stop on the way is in Slidell, Louisiana. I will be over with another community Bible study, and it's being held at the Rebel Coffee Roastery. Rebel Coffee Roastery in Slidell, 2.30 in the afternoon, is going to be our open uh, campus Bible study, and it's a very special time. I'm looking forward to talking with my friends about heaven and having a Q&A at that time as well. And if you're in the Slidell, Louisiana area, you come on down. Looking forward to that. And then I'll putter up the road right after that meeting, get uh, myself situated over in Dayton, Texas, D-A-Y-T-O-N, Dayton, Texas. And the next morning, in the morning and evening services, I will be with Pastor Mike Melligan and South Dayton Baptist Church. My second time with them. Looking forward to it. A lot of fun. Friends, if uh, you, your uh, friends, your uh, colleagues, your Bible study, your church, your camp, your gathering wants me to come, all you have to do is just write me. Let me know. That would be at brad at theheaventour.com. Brad at theheaventour.com. I would love to talk with you about coming to your area. And in the future weeks, I'll be heading to Salinas, California, Hollister, California. Oh my goodness, I'm going to be heading over to Bradenton, Florida, uh, over to Fayetteville, Georgia, a number of different places around the United States, speaking here in South Carolina. And so I would love to be able to come and spend some time and share the scriptures face-to-face with you. And so let me know, okay? And then we can talk about something because there's still some spaces open in late summer and into the fall. Right before the holidays, I'll travel up until uh, the Thanksgiving holiday. So if you have some time there, just let me know. What we're going to do today is not going into Revelation 19, not just yet for one more podcast, because I had a question that comes up on uh, a regular basis and I wanted to do another podcast and also give some scripture again on this question of the immediacy of the Christian in heaven. This came over on TikTok. I'm going to read this. This came from someone who just went by the name of User64. And they seemed a bit emotional in their request, and it says this, Please help me out. Show me the scripture that tells us when we die, we go to heaven, and not just stuck in the ground waiting. And I saw that, and I kept thinking, you know... I think it's time that we go over that once again. We see the wonder of what Christ has done for us. And is that so that we would just be put into suspended animation? I mean, think about this. When we talk about what Christ has done, First Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, Christ suffered once for sins for all time, the just for the unjust. Or Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10, the offering of Jesus is once for all. In other words, this invitation is open and to the one who takes this one sacrifice for sins forever, as it says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 12, then you're going to have the access, the family life in heaven. You're going to have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and way, as it says in John chapter 14 and verse 6, the way to heaven. I gave him at the age of 17 my life. I gave him my sins, uh, what we see in Hebrews 9, 28. He was offered once to bear the sins of many, Romans 6 and verse 10. He died to sin once for all. So he took those condemning sins away from me, and I'm on my way to heaven. And my confidence is this, that when I leave this life, that I will be with him. The question here, can we find scripture 
that would tell us this? Do we have scripture that tells us that when we leave this life, the Christian has the guarantee that you will be in heaven immediately? So let's go through this. Let's go through some uh, passages here, which is very, very important for us. We see, first of all, I find something uh, impactful when we're talking about, well, there is a faith that says, no, once you go into the ground, you will stay there in suspended animation in what's called soul sleep. And there's a corruption of the Ecclesiastes 9.5 passage, which is taken woefully out of context. The, as you know, and my friends, you're smart people. You can take a cursory reading of Ecclesiastes 9, and you see that the theme is enveloped in the overall theme of Ecclesiastes, that if there is no God, everything is vanity. There's, there's, nothing, there's no hope. Okay, in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, this, this soliloquy of somberness, of just sadness, this is what Solomon's saying. If there is no God, what, what do you hang on to? Well, you hang on to the here and now because the present life is all that you can grasp. It goes on to say in verse 3 that a living dog is better than a dead lion because the living dog at least has that breath of life, that spark of life. And then he says, if there is no God, why, what else is there? The dead know nothing. That's the context of Ecclesiastes chapter 9. It has absolutely nothing to do with a believer being in the ground awaiting the resurrection. This is an embarrassing corruption of this passage, and it's something that I will go to battle on anytime, because it, the one thing that bothers me very greatly is when somebody will grab a scripture. I, I think it might even be better if somebody didn't read the scripture at all, rather than taking scripture and twisting it and confusing others. Well, be that as it may, uh, that's a passage, and it doesn't take long to be able to show people that. As a matter of fact, I've counted it now. It has been 27 times in a row when somebody through one of my social uh, media presentations would confront me about that or try to debate me on that. And I said, simply read it, read the chapter, and let's talk. And 27 times in a row, the accusers would refuse to read. Now, don't you think that's suspicious? If they said, one man even said, no, 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 you read it and then tell me what you think and then I'll tell you whether I believe it. And I said, come on now, okay. You've been in education fields. You don't do that. You don't put the onus on other people. I've already read it. I know what it's like. You read it. No, I don't need to read it. Anyway, so let's get Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 5 out of there because that's embarrassing. We don't want to see uh, anybody corrupting scripture like that. Well, what does the Bible say? Well, let's think about this. Let's kind of walk through some scriptures here and uh, uh, take a look as we go down here. And I want you to write these down that these might help you. Luke chapter 16 here is Jesus uh, talking about, uh, just, uh, he, he's going through in Luke chapter 15. Well, let's go to Luke 15 first. Let's kind of start with that. In Luke 15, Jesus has been giving numerous uh, uh, illustrations about parables, about salvation, about the lost ones that can be brought to salvation. Remember this? The parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost sheep, uh, the prodigal son. Now, I want you to think about this. When we go to Luke chapter 15, it tells us that Luke, uh, whenever there is somebody that repents, then there's going to be joy. Luke 15 and verse 7, I say to you, likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents. Now, follow this. 
This is from Jesus. Look at verse 10. Likewise, I say to you, after this parable of the lost coin, someone that is found and then now there, there is no longer a lost one. And the illustration is very clear about the sinner coming to repentance. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner that repents. Don't you find this fascinating? It does not say the angels themselves. It says that there is joy in the presence of angels. And someone was trying to argue semantics, but it's very easy to tell you this. If you say this, what happened over there? Well, in the presence of Brad, they, had, they opened a Christmas present, and it was a new bike, all right? Uh, no one in the room is going to say, well, then Brad got the bike. No, in the presence of Brad, there was an opening of a gift, and it was a bike. Okay, What, what was going on? Uh, in the presence of John, in his presence, uh, there was an argument, and uh, people got so angry that they stomped out of the room. Well, the first intimation here is it was not John in the argument, in the presence of John. Perhaps he was a referee. In the rhetoric, it's not hard for you to see this. In the presence of angels, there's only two entities in heaven. There are the redeemed and there are angels. If they're in the presence of angels, we see the redeemed. Let's continue on based on that too. We look in Matthew chapter 17. If the dead are in suspended animation in soul sleep, then why in Matthew chapter 17, which is also uh, a clearly defined uh, a parallel passage in Mark 9 and in Luke chapter 9, why when Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration, he brings two uh, residents of heaven to be with him alongside him in front of Peter, James, and John, Moses and Elijah. Moses had been dead for 1,400 years. Elijah has been dead for 900. <laughs> They're standing right there. If they are in the grave awaiting the presence of the, the resurrection, then why are they here? They are there with the Lord. Something to consider. Then why does uh, Stephen, in Acts chapter 7, as he is dying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And this is in the Holy Scriptures, and then what happens? He, he leaves this life. Receive my spirit. Which causes us to look very deeply at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 and 23. And when we look at that, we find that this passage is talking about uh, there, when you are looking in heaven, it, which is known as Mount Zion, you find something very powerful in this passage which follows this. You are not looking at the judgment on Mount Sinai, but you have come to Mount Zion, says verse 22, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You are coming there. What do you see in heaven in the Mount Zion? God, the living God, two, the heavenly Jerusalem, three, to an innumerable company of angels, now follow this, and to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. You remind you, this is God the judge of all, to, it repeats it, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant. It tells you this, this is those one. If you are in Mount Zion, what do you see? Well, the general assembly, those who are registered in heaven, the spirits of the just made perfect in right now in heaven. Continue on. When we look at this, this is most important. 
In Luke chapter 16, Jesus himself is talking. I'm going to follow up. I almost forgot that. I wanted to go into there and show you this, all right? So in Luke 16, we see, uh, continuing, the lost sheep and the lost coin and the prodigal son were in verse 15. So he's got the subject of heaven in, the, uh, in our talk, in, in his uh, narrative to those around him. Now, he's going to continue on and he's going to talk about something very, very important as he is still along the line of the subject of heaven. And what does he say here? I'm going to read from the legacy version because it sticks with the Greek very tightly. Now, follow me. We're going to go to Luke chapter 16. And when I start reading it, I'm going to move on down because there are different, uh, the different portions that would talk about the unjust steward and such. But you go down keep moving down into what is known as the rich man and Lazarus section. It's going to start in verse 19. Now, there was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day. But a poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate, covered with sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Now it happened that the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. Now, if you remember this, you're going to remember this story. I'm going to hold right here and share you. This is Jesus talking about the reality of the afterlife. You will notice the rich man was buried, but... In Hades, he lifted up his eyes. His body was buried, but he entered into the afterlife there, and he was in torment. His body was not in a waiting period. It was buried, and then he lifted up his eyes in there. And then we also see when the poor man, Lazarus, was died, he was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The only time it's used in, this, uh, in the Bible, Abraham sighed. Abraham is in the presence of God, at what we see is the banqueting of God, and he's there. He's in a favored position there. And when you see through the rest of the passage, you have the man that is in torment calling out, knowing he is not in a favored place. Lazarus is. Bring Lazarus down there. No, there is a gulf fix. Lazarus has died, was taken immediately into heaven. And then what is very, very powerful is the passage that we take a look at in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. When we see this, we're reminded then, when we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul relates something that had happened earlier in his life, of being able to get a, a, a glimpse into heaven. And these were mysteries, as you read about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, that there were things he would not utter. But you will also notice, this is the reason why he has such boldness in the face of death and in threats. He's talking about the one thing that we can very much enjoy, and that is when we die, we are going to be immediately in the presence of God. Chapter 5, verses 5 through 8. Paul is talking. This is our confidence. And I quote, Now he, God, who has prepared for us this very thing, is God who also has given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. That word in the Greek is erebon. It means down payment. It is a bit here, which will be more later on when we talk about that. 
I'll go back to that in a second. So we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, second time, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Now, we took a look at this. This is, the Holy Spirit is a guarantee. When we're saved, we have this, and the use in this, this Greek word, this ancient Greek word, erabon, is talking about a down payment, a partial payment. More payments will become but this is a guarantee, this is a legal guarantee that you have possession of the goods in question. As a matter of fact, right now we're actually talking about getting a new vehicle for me to travel in. And those that are selling, we're talking with right now, said, if you will put down a down payment, we'll hold it so nobody else can uh, compete with you. And you're able to uh, actually be able to uh, come and inspect the car and then take a look at it. We have that with a down payment. We can go take a look at it, all right? As a matter of fact, this word also, arabone, also means an engagement ring, all right? It's, it's something, whenever uh, there is an engagement, this is not the full marriage. This is the intent for something much greater, the union of the husband and wife together, arabone. Now, think about this. This is the Holy Spirit in your salvation. He's in, your, in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, First John chapter 4 and verse 4. And he is there as a guarantee. This is why Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You have a title deed in heaven. But I find this so very, very powerful. We've had some detractors try to say all it said is that we prefer to be uh, absent from the body. We prefer to be at home with the Lord. But whoa, whoa, wait a minute now. When we see this word confident, this is a very, very powerful word. Thoreo is the word for confident. And when you look up this word in the original language, you have a very, very powerful part of this narrative from Paul. It not only means threat, when we say we are confident, we have, some translations say we have a comfort in knowing this. It covers both. This means we have, uh, let, let me give you an idea. The definition is to have courage, to be bold, to have confidence, actually, in this boldness, to actually be of good cheer. We are confident. This is not saying we prefer. We have a confidence in this. There's a difference between me saying, well, I prefer to get on that plane, or I have confidence that I am going on the plane, or that I prefer to, uh, to propose to who is now my wife, Jill, or I have confidence, I'm going to do it. We have a difference here. And this is something that's very... We, it's not that, well, I, I, I'm pretty sure, and I kind of hope against hope, that I'm going to be in heaven when I die immediately. No, we have a confidence here. This is a very, very powerful word, thoreo. And I want you to remember that. And, and don't lose on the strength of that word. We can know. This is what Stephen was saying in Acts chapter 7. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He's seen the heaven open. He's seen Jesus standing at the right hand. He has the confidence entering into death. And it says, then when he was taken away, he was taken into the presence of the Lord in his death here, as we see in that uh, narrative. We see Luke chapter 16. We see all of these different passages here, which are just a start of these scriptural foundational passages, knowing that when the Christian dies, he or she will be in the presence of the Lord. There's more I could say, but I think in talking about eternity, I also have to realize that there's earthly time, and I'm well over that time. 
Thank you so much for being with me. I hope this can help you in our study about heaven. God bless you. In order for the Heaven Tour to continue fulfilling our mission, we humbly ask for your support. Your generosity allows us to continue to proclaim and explain the biblical truth of heaven and to mentor many. All eligible donations are tax deductible, so please prayerfully consider an end of year gift. You can send your gift to the Heaven Tour, P.O. Box 795 Pickens, South Carolina 29671. Thank you and have a blessed Thanksgiving.